Now, I was going to do that, but I can't draw that fast, so <laughs> just kidding. Hey, uh, and, a, and a big thank you. There's a place called thebibleproject.com, and they have uh, these videos, and they go through um, the books of the Bible, and they lay them out like that. And so if you're interested in digging deeper or watching the rest of the Daniel video, uh, but I figure that's a great way to catch us up for where we are. But you can go to BibleProject.com, and that helps give you an overview of Scripture and uh, maybe some understanding that you didn't have. Or if you didn't catch all that and you just want to review it, you can do that. But as we said, today then we find ourselves back in Daniel, and we find ourselves in chapter 7, which as you can see is a parallel chapter 2, but it's kind of the hinge point of the book where we move from stories about Daniel to the visions that Daniel has. And, and it's interesting, the things that, that come to mind in this is it really, it really depends on uh, you, where you are on how you see these things. How many of you like baseball? I like baseball. I love baseball season. It's fun to be around baseball. Um, I think I'm destined to be around baseball. Not that I play it much, but people in my family uh, coach it and other things like that. So this week I was at a couple of games. And this was one of my reminders. I was sitting uh, in the stands kind of on the first base side, and we're watching these guys pitch. And, of course, there's a guy who's behind the plate called the umpire, right? And he's calling balls and strikes. But from where I'm sitting, y'all know where this is going, right? From where I'm sitting, I'm going, this is kind of questionable. Now, the guy has been very consistent. He was a very consistent umpire, and I appreciated that and stuff. But I'm watching these things happen, and I'm going, wow, that seemed a little off on that, or I can't believe he made that call, because obviously from where I'm sitting, this doesn't look right. So I actually did at one point in time, got up in the game and went to someone who was behind there and went, are these things kind of on? Well, you know, some of them are questionable, but, but this, but you have this, you have this perspective, if you will, depending on where you are, depending on where you're sitting, depending on how you're engaging into the game. Um, again, got to go to a, a Rangers game, and I was sitting way far away from stuff, and, and I was just looking at all the seats going, man, how different would it look like if you're sitting up there or if you're sitting over here or things like that, and it really got me thinking about how important perspective is, and so we really need to consider my perspective when I engage the things of life. That's the first thing to, to kind of realize in this, and so the perspective that I have in my life and the perspective that you have in your life, it's built by our experience, it's built by our education, it's built by our worldview, it, it's, it's even built by our ability to process things at a certain time in life, whether we have the capacity to be able to process things or, or whether we don't. Um, there, there have been things in my life that have been difficult to understand until you know, I reached some different points in, in life. And so our perspective makes a world of difference. And Daniel, at this point in time, one of the things that stands out to me is he's later in life. He's probably in his late 60s, maybe even early 70s at this point. And think about if uh, you caught those stories that were on there or if you were with us earlier this year as we went through some of this. Think about all the things that Daniel has seen in his life. As a teenager, he's ripped away from his homeland. He's put in service to foreign kings, and even in the midst of that context, he sees God do incredible things. He sees God answer his prayer. He, see God, he sees God give him knowledge for understanding things that other people can't. He sees God rescue his friends. He sees God rescue himself. He sees God put him in a position where he's speaking to kings 
and people in authority over and over and over again. But there's something unique about this particular vision in chapter 7 that this man who has seen God do incredible things in life now is put in a place where he has this vision and he doesn't know what's going on. He has to have an angel of the Lord explain it to him. As we dig a little bit deeper, we see how this affects him. I want to pick it up in verse 23 of Daniel chapter 7, because Daniel was perplexed particularly about this image of this fourth beast that seemed to be more vile than anything else. And so he asks about this beast, and this is the response that he gets. This is what the angel from the Lord, he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another king, different from the previous ones, will rise and subdue the three kings. He will speak words against the Most High and oppress the holy ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws, and the holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will convene, and his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. The kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, the holy ones of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and rulers will serve and obey him. This, Daniel says, is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts terrified me greatly, and my face turned pale. But I kept the matter to myself. Now, again, if you go all the way back to chapter 1 and we begin with the Lord, the Lord handed the people of Israel over to this king. Daniel has seen all of these things happen. Daniel has lived a lifetime watching the miracles of God, getting the word of God, and speaking prophetic truth of God. And yet, here he is at this point in time where you would think. That maybe after living this life with God and building this relationship and seeing these things happen, you would almost maybe think that we're going to get to a point that, boy, there's kind of nothing you can throw my way that's going to shake me. But yet at the end of this account, what we see is Daniel says, my thoughts terrified me greatly and my face turned pale. Daniel, who's seen these incredible things, has the Lord speaking to him about what is yet to come And though he knows that God is in control and the Ancient of Days is on his throne, yet there's this terror that overtakes him as well. And I think it begs the question for us, how do we live in this in-between? And this is what I mean by the in-between. We live in, in such a way where we understand the hope that comes in following Jesus Christ, that when I've given my life to Christ... That, that he has provided the path to life. He saved me from my sin. He restores a relationship between me and God. And he allows me then to have a relationship with God that I could no longer have on my own because of my sin. And in that we have hope and we have joy and we have confidence and we have peace. But yet we wake up every morning and we're in this world. 
And all you got to do is turn on the news and you see what's going on in this world. And, and we get up and we face the reality of our life today and some of the challenges and the struggles that are in front of us. And we go, how, how am I going to do this? And so the question I think that we get here is, how do we live in this in-between? And, and, and to help you out, maybe I'm going to call it hoping and coping, right? We're hoping for a better future, for a better place to be, that, that God will take care of these things, that, that I'll be safe and protected and, and all these things. But yet at the same time, we're coping with the difficulties and the struggles and the trials and the reality of life that we face every day. And what we get here is a picture from Daniel of how we can hope for the future and yet deal with what's going on right now. And I love the fact that we get the picture where it says, and Daniel was terrified. Because you don't have to answer this out loud, but have you ever just been terrified? Looked and going, God, I understand that you're in control and I trust you, but man, I'm still bothered by this. I'm still scared by this. I don't know how I'm going to walk through this. I don't know why we're going to have to go through these things. And I can imagine putting myself in Daniel's place after being in exile all my life and being faithful and getting this vision for what's going to come in the future, which is more of what's been happening already, and going, God, why don't you just take care of this right now? Why can't we end this right now? Why don't you just... You know, show who you are to the world and just put a stop to all these things. You ever felt that way? I've felt that way. I've just go, man, that's, that's enough. And I'm reminded when I get to times like that of the words of, of Peter himself who walked with Jesus and knows him. And in 2 Peter, he, he writes these words, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact that with the Lord, a day is like a, a, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so we live in this in-between time where God has already established his throne, but not yet do we receive all the blessings of what that is. And we have to learn how to navigate in that time, keeping our hope and our faith and our eyes fixed on Jesus while dealing with the difficulties and the struggles and the pains and the suffering in this world. And, and the world is at work to help us lose hope or to beat us down or to take these things away. And we still need to fix our eyes on Christ and see what he can do with this because that's where we're going to find hope. You see, you even see this in what we celebrated last week with the resurrection and Easter representing the, the crucifixion, the cruel, cruel crucifixion of Christ on the cross who willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins but yet triumphed over sin and death in the grave and rose again. And so we know that we have hope but yet to get to that hope, he had to walk through one of the most difficult, cruel, hurtful painful, horrible, horrific things ever so that we could have that. And so it just brings to me this, this hard truth that is at work that maybe, maybe you don't want to take all of this in today. Maybe you just go, I'm going to have to think about that, Pastor. But here's this hard truth for you. The cross demonstrates that God's judgment and love can simultaneously be at work. And that's the world we live in. We live in a world where God's judgment and God's love can simultaneously be at work. And from our perspective, if we're sitting kind of on the outside looking at it, we're going, I don't, I don't know, that's right. I don't like those calls. 
This isn't good. I mean, from where I'm sitting, I don't see why we couldn't handle this different or do this a different way. But God, in his perspective and in his wisdom, is saying, no, I'm at work here. And I'm just going to go ahead and reiterate this again. I'm going to give you some wonderful theological training for people who will come to you and ask you hard questions like, well, why would God do that this way? And, and, and why do you think God would do this? I'll give you the answer to the question. It's very simple. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know why sometimes we're paralyzed by having that as being an answer to our question because some people have heard me say this before. If I ever get to the point where I can tell you why God does everything he's doing, then that usually would make me God. But I understand that he has a perspective that I don't have. Now think about this. He's referred to in this passage as the ancient of days, okay? Now I just turned 50 recently. So the best perspective I can give you is 50 years. And some of us may be on this planet, you know, 100 years or so, 80, 90, whatever, and that's the best perspective we can get. God's the ancient of days. So you take your perspective and compare it to God's perspective and begin to see why my answers are very limited and God's answers are much bigger than mine. And God can be at work even though we might wake up and see some things that are happening and go, I don't understand why this has to happen. Or we may even experience things in life that much like Daniel, they terrify us. They cause us to be discouraged. Our face turns pale. We don't understand the answers why. But then that leads us to the point where we go, well, then what am I going to trust in at that point in time? Am I going to take it all on myself? Or am I going to just double down on my faith in Jesus and see what can happen? And I'm reminded what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, the first two verses. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, meaning that we can look at the lives of those who have gone before us and the life that they lived, then you've got this fact that there were 11 men who were close to Jesus because we know what happened to Judas, right? There were 11 men who were close to Jesus who endured the crucifixion and the resurrection as well. And yet when Jesus rose again, he gave them hope, he gave them direction, he gave them life. And as they were walking in their life and facing even death and persecution, they didn't wander away from the faith. They doubled down on it and said, no, because of what Jesus has done, I will find life even if you take my physical life. And so therefore, since we have a large cloud of witnesses like that surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, because of the joy that was coming, endured the difficult times of the cross, the horrific death. He went through that. Daniel's getting a similar picture from God that the Ancient of Days is coming. Court will be in session. Judgment will happen. But there's some things that are going to be happening right now that you're going to have to walk through and endure. And and I would just say, in other words, hang in there. Hang in there. You can't see it all. You don't understand what's going on. You can't possibly fathom everything that I'm trying to do. You just need to know that you can trust me and hang in there. Be faithful and you'll find life in following Jesus even in the midst of the brokenness. And here's what we need to remember. God's in control even when things don't go my way. 
Just write that on a mirror somewhere, stick that on your dashboard. Somewhere you're going to see that all the time. God's in control even when things don't go my way. Because Lyndall's itty-bitty perspective compared to where God's is should help me understand that. I see things that I want to be happening in life. I have things that I think are really good stuff. Not even selfish, not even self-serving, but just going, man, this would be a great thing to happen. But when things don't go my way, I have a crisis of belief where I go, okay, God, you're... Some people just go, well, okay, if things aren't going that way, then God's trying to punish me or God's trying to teach me a lesson or God's doing that. No, just sometimes things don't go your way. You know why? Because sometimes things don't go your way. Because we're doing this, breathing. And so, therefore, sometimes things in life just happen. But God is always at work, and we need to trust that he's in control in the midst of that. Now, Caleb read you part of this earlier, but I love this picture that we see. Daniel is seeing this utter chaos, these kings and these beasts rising up and people just going out of control and one that's worse than the other. But then it says in verse 9, but as I kept watching, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was like white like snow, the hair of his head like the whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out of his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Court was convened and the books were opened. I just love that picture. God just shows up, sits down and goes, game on. Because not one time has he ever been out of control. God sits and he opens the book and and we know that he's about to judge rightly. Court is in session. You may not be able to see it from your perspective right now, but the Ancient of Days is at work. Again, the cross shows us that the wrath of God and the love of God can be intertwined and simultaneously at work in our life, though we can't see it. And the picture that we get here of God in this passage You know, one of the first things we see is God is eternal. He's called the ancient of days. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom has been established long before our lifetime, and it will be in place long after our lifetime. It's an eternal kingdom, not one from the limited perspective that we have of the years that we get on this earth. The bottom line here that we need to let sink into our hearts and into our mind is God's perspective is bigger than ours. The other thing that we see, God is not only eternal, God is sovereign, meaning that he is in control. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. It says as well, all rulers will serve and obey him. God is sovereign. The bottom line, he is in control. We may see chaos God is working his will. We trust and know that his will is at work so that some may come to know him and and acknowledge him as Lord. Peter reminds us that it's the patience of God that allows all of these things to continue, even though from our perspective, we might want to go, I'm out. I'm done with this. This is all I've seen. I just want to say it again. You probably get tired of me saying this by the time we're done with the book of Daniel. The whole thing happens while the man is in captivity. It's not a feel-good story where at the end, in the last 15 minutes, like a Hallmark movie, it all wraps up and everybody gets together and we all hug and everything works out. I mean, Daniel writes this whole thing from the perspective of being in 
captivity and working and serving these foreign kings. And then now he's given visions of things that are going to happen in the future, which is even going to be more difficult, the end. But the bottom line theme of Daniel is that we have to trust that in the midst of all that, God is in control and he's working the plan. And I'm either going to put my faith and trust in him. And when you do that, even in the midst of the chaos, which is what we see exemplified in Daniel's life, is that you can find life even in the brokenness of this world when you choose to follow Jesus. He will navigate you through that. God is sovereign. He's in control. And then another picture we see is God is holy. His clothes was white like snow, the hair of his head, the whitest wool. It's purity. And I said this before in, in the series with Daniel. I'll say it again. God's right. Whether you want to believe that all the time or not, he's right. All the time he's right. God is holy. He's got the purest of motives. He is love. God is love. And the things that he's doing at work are working in that holiness. That holiness that we can't understand because of our sinfulness. And even as a redeemed person with the blood of Christ in my life, I am still living in this broken body in this broken world. And there's no way that my mind can ever gain the perspective that God has because he is holy and pure and right. And though I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, I am still broken and sinful. And that's how my perspective is right now. So we have to trust that God is holy. And so this message for Daniel and his readers and for us, it's pretty simple. When I trust God and I follow his word, I'll make it through. Because you do realize, right, that even if Daniel would have been able to sit down with God and go, hey, can't we do this a different way? And God goes, no, 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 let me explain to you. You realize every time that God answered a question, Daniel would go, he'd turn into a three-year-old. Why? 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 You, you realize that. Just follow that logic today. See, See if you can just play this game where you go, okay, God answers this question, what's my response? You're never going to get to a point where you go, oh, okay, I'm good. You're going to constantly go, but why? Why did it have to go that way? Why this? Why this? God's perspective is bigger. And when I trust God and follow his word, I'm going to make it through. Daniel was scared. Some of us right now are scared. Some people are looking at whatever situation they're facing in life and the enemy's working to make it seem hopeless. They're trying to convince you that I don't know how you're going to make it through this or this is working against you or that's working against you or this is out to get you or life's gotten this bad or whatever. And Daniel's at a point right here, like I said, he's terrified. The color leaves his face. There's a little bit of hopelessness here. But even though he's scared, the picture here and the encouragement here is to continue to trust the Lord. You see, that's the reality of walking with Christ is it's not just about the hope that we have in the future. It's about the help that we have today as well. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he's about to face the cross. And he knows now that he's about to be gone and that the disciples are going to be leading and sharing the gospel message. And he knows that they're going to be interacting with the world and that he's going to be difficult for them to walk this path and to endure these things that they're going to have to face. And so here's what he says to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you all these things that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. 
be courageous, I've conquered the world. His encouragement isn't stay in me and I'm going to take all these things away from you. He looks at them and he's very honest and he says, you're going to have trouble in this world. Face it courageously. Face it with hope that that demonstrates that you understand that I'm in charge and we're going to see this through and this isn't going to last forever and that I've conquered the world because the world is looking for that hope. James even writes, the half-brother of Jesus writes these words in his book. At the very first of it, James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I mean, that's the picture that we get from Daniel. That's the picture we get from Jesus. That's the picture that we get from James is there is a God who is at work and he is working toward his will and toward salvation and to hope and to peace. But right now, we patiently endure the difficulties of this world, putting our trust and our hope in God and finding the life that only comes in following him on a daily basis so that we can navigate through this. That's the life that we have. Now, some people look at the book of Daniel, I'll just go ahead and tell you all this about me, and they get really into, ooh, 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 what was that beast, and who was that eye, and there was a horn, and there was a rock over there, and there's something red, and something green, and something purple, and what's this number mean, and how's that stuff, and I'm just going to be honest with you, there's a lot of people who get really into that, and your pastor's not one of them, so I'm sorry. So if that's the perspective you're looking at from this book, I hope he explains all this stuff I'll give you some books to read or something like that because it's just not something that motivates me because here's what I see. When I read this, this is what I see. I see God going, I got it. I got it. Hey, you're going to deal with all, I got it. Hey, there's going to be some difficult, I got it. And you just hang on to me and I got it. That's enough for me. And I'm not belittling anything else with that. I'm just telling you that when you get to that apocalyptic type of literature or those type of prophecies and things like that, I default to God's got it. And that's what he's trying to communicate to us. And he's revealing things to Daniel that are about to come because he wants them to have hope that God's saying, I know that this is all going to happen. And so when this happens, don't lose hope. Understand that I'm still in control even though all these things are happening. I got a plan and I got a way. And all you have to do is hold on to me in this. Don't miss that. Don't get so caught up in the weeds that you don't see the whole picture of what's going on here. God's trying to give us hope. And so I just want to close with this question. Where have you placed your hope? Where have you placed your hope? Jesus has been honest with us. God's word has been honest with us. God's being honest with us that in this life we're going to face difficulties. We're going to face trials. We're going to face struggles. And when you face those things, where's your hope? Where are you going to put your focus? Because where you choose to place your focus is going to determine how you're going to be able to walk through these things in life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment?